You're listening to my dad's podcast. It's the Ron and Don Show, only on ronanddonradio.com. All right, look out now. Here we come. It's the Ron and Don Show. What episode is the... I believe this is episode 17, wow. if you don't count the bonus episode I did with uh, Matthew Gardner, which is available on the podcast feed. The chief economist of Windermere Real Estate. We talked about the pending recession, so that's a bonus episode. This is episode 17. Oh. Episode 17, here we come. And don't forget, it's all brought to you by us, Ron and Don. We are licensed realtors with Windermere, and we'd love to help you. We've helped a lot of people with life's biggest transactions. In fact, the Ron was just doing that this afternoon. And I was doing that uh, this afternoon, punching a deal through. So we'd love to punch a deal through for you as we head into uh, the fall months here in the great Pacific Northwest. Before we get going here, something yeah. that I've always loved about you. You've been a big brother uh, in the past. And the cool thing about Ron being a big brother, and I just want to encourage men out there, if you've never been a big brother, there's a lot of big sisters out there, but they don't have enough big brothers here in the Pacific Northwest. So if you live in Snohomish or Snohomish, or you live in Pierce County or King County, Island County, wherever it is, they have young men that are lined up looking for big brothers. I just want to encourage you to do that. Anyway, you always did a great job with your little being a big uh, planning some cool adventures and then also teaching him some stuff. Like, for instance, you're a pretty good photographer, and I don't know if you spent some time teaching him how to be a photographer, but it's something that he has latched on to. He, has, he, he absolutely loves as he's grown old into a man. Well, how old is he now? He's, he's like 97 years yes, old. Yes, he's 97. He's grown old now. Yes, he has had an entire career. Yeah. Now, he's uh, just graduated college, and so I hooked up with my little when he was uh, going into high school, yeah. and it, it's great. You're right. He, we, I bought him his first camera, oh, helped him buy, buy his first camera, yeah. and then uh, we figured out how to do that. And I remember I, I razzed him at his senior graduation because he had a, uh, a gallery showing with the uh, graduating class of his photography program. And I was like, do you remember your first picture? And he started chuckling. Like, it was horrible. It was, a, but I, I told not horrible. It was a picture of a flower. Yeah. I just like, and it was your average, take out your camera. And we chuckled about it because I was like, you've come so far and his talent has, has grown so much since that first day we got the camera, we went to the park and he shot a picture of a flower. Um, it's really cool, and he he um, has got his first professional photography gig now. So that is that, awesome. It's really, really yeah. rewarding. Congratulations! And, and I was thinking about you because my son is nine now, and and there's a number of things that I know as a dad that I need to help him out with that I have really struck. And I'm just I'm going to be honest with you, right? There's there, there's three things. Number one is the new math, the fourth grade math. <laughs> don't, can, don't look to me. I am as Do not look at me. I, I am as Manny this year, and I pick him up from school, and we sit down, we work on the math. I met with his math teacher the other day, Mr. Frazier. Mr. Frazier said uh, the after-school math should take about 10 minutes. It takes us between an hour and 15 minutes and an hour and a half. Wow. Just to do uh, the homework. So, and, and, and that's me taking a run at the homework before I even turn around. Don't even try to try explain to do- the new math to me because I don't, I've yeah. seen it on Facebook. I yeah. don't get it. Yeah. I don't think most people will get it and it'll be, we'll get the frustrated emails. Well, the thing is, you and I can look at the, the problem and it's a word problem, for instance, and we can solve it. But then what you have to do is you have to go back and prove how you're able to solve that. And there's something in your brain called clunking because I went back and I said, how come I can't figure out the clunking new math. or chunking it's called uh it's called chunking oh yeah. for me clunking yeah it just clunks along right. clunk 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 yeah and uh, you you know about chunking right uh basically let's say uh when you and i were going to real estate school 
Uh, there was some math that we had done before, but we hadn't done it for a long time. And if you do a couple problems, all of a sudden something fires in your brain, your neurons fire. And they're like, yeah, I remember that. And there's big chunks of information, or in my case, big clunks big of information. Big clunks. That begins to fire, and that's how hey, come. clunky, get yeah. over here and do some math. <laughs> yeah. That's how come after 20 years, if you haven't ridden a bike or played guitar, you can pick it up, you can do that. And the same thing with math. And the problem is, whether you're clunking or chunking, your brain doesn't fire because you've never done this math before. So I've committed myself, and I've ordered a book now, and I'm sitting down myself trying to learn. And and I was in honors, uh, English, algebra, everything, all the way through high school into college. When you were a clunky junior. Yeah, I could not figure out fourth grade math. So I made a commitment to that, and so far this week we got all our homework done. Nice. And we turned it in, and we got smiley faces. Now, do you, We got smiley faces I got on every single page, and Is I feel pretty good about that. Is to do the homework for your son? I've done that every once in a while when we get toward the end, and I'm very it's frustrated like, with him. We just got to wrap this and up. And I go ahead, and I just do a couple of the problems. got to wrap it up! Yeah, and, and, and we t- I wouldn't do that on a test, but at the end of the homework, because because we don't have to do all the homework. You're not Felicity Huffman. I gotta, over here. Yeah, not yet. But I, I, believe me, I might you're not have to photoshopping your yeah. son's uh, face yeah. onto a, a pro wrestler. Here's the other thing: he's about to be ten. Can't ride a bike. Can't tie a shoe. Cannot can't tie ride, a shoe. Can't tie a shoe. Can't huh. ride a bike. I don't know if that's good or bad. Can't ride a bike. Can't tie a shoe. Can't tie a shoe. Can you ride. do it, ten? Well, I I think to myself every summer I'm going to teach him how to ride a bike and I'm going to teach him how to tie a shoe. And I went to you know Carter, my friend Carter. Yeah. Uh, flew in Vietnam. He was his commercial pilot. I know exactly children. what his technique would be for riding a and bike. And he has taught all his kids to ride a bike. He probably takes them to the top of the hill and yeah. just pushes them. He's taught all his kids how to ski. He's taught all of them how to water ski, horseback ride, all this stuff. And I'm like, you know what I'll do is I'll go with my old friend Carter. He's in like 75 years old now. And we'll teach my son. And we tried doing this last night. We tried to teach him how to ride. Could not do it. Could not teach him how to write. He gets so mad at me. He would, and he's not a screamer or yeller, but he starts screaming, yelling, and then crying. And then once he starts crying, that's it for me. It just destroys me inside, and I feel like the world's worth father. So anyway, we flew. We, we just went to a family reunion, and his little 10-year-old cousin looks at him and says, hey, let's go outside and ride bikes. And usually what my son does is he doesn't admit that he can't ride a bike. He looked at his 10-year-old cousin and he said, I'm going to be honest with you, and you may think I'm a little baby, but I cannot tie my shoe, and I cannot ride a bike. And his cousin looked at him. He said, you know what? Let's go outside. I will teach you how to ride a bike. I am about to jump in the middle here. Right. And it was everything. And my, my cousin Rick. That's gra- Clunky's job. That's right. My cousin Rick grabbed me and said, let him go. Just, 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 just let him go. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. He's going to be outside. And there's pavement. I hope he has his helmet on. The whole thing. And right? elbow pads. And his wrist pads. going to wrap him in bubble dad. wrap. Totally. So anyway, I look outside. And Ron, this is no joke. Within five minutes. His cousin had him out there pedaling and riding a bike. He was riding a bike. I ran out there about an hour later after they got done riding bikes, and I said, what did you do? What did you tell him? What is the secret sauce? What's, what's the deal, coach? How did you get my little nine-year-old at the age of 10 to ride a bike? And this is what he said. He said, I just looked at him. And I said, you know what? Don't be nervous. Don't worry about steering. Pedal as fast as you can and don't stop. Don't stop pedaling. Hmm. That's good advice. And you start riding the bike. I'm like, I'm going to take you. I'm going to put you on YouTube. And we are going to make lots of money <laughs> teaching kids that are 9, 10, 20, 30 years old that can't ride 
a bike. Isn't that amazing? Sometimes your peer can say, they could, they could just make it real simple for you. And here's your dad, and he's recruiting other people. We're trying to make it so big when it's so small, and all you got to do is just don't worry about steering. Pedal as fast as you or can. Or you just get a big brother like I do, take you to the top of a steep hill. Yeah. He put me on the bike, oh. pushed me, yeah. and then I went about no. 100 yards and fell. Anyway, got back for the front reunion. Still can't tie a shoe. We'll work on that. But we can ride a bike. So, anyway, pretty proud of that. Not if only I could ride a bike. It's the Ron and Don Show only on the Ron and Don Radio Network. Don't go anywhere unless you want to. It's the Ron and Don Show, starring Ron and Don, and sometimes me, at ronanddon.com. You should buy a shirt. It's the Ron and Don Nation t-shirt. $5 goes toward helping kids. It's cops helping kids. Find out more at ronanddon.com. All right, it's the Ron and Don Show, only on the Ron and Don Radio Network. Reach out to Ron if you have some questions about real estate. Ron at Windermere.com. Don O'Neill at Windermere.com. Everything at RonandDon.com. Click on the microphone and find out all about the radio show. We have the new dog bandanas that are out. Get lots of pictures of those. And, of course, we have a brand new T-shirts, Ron and Don Nation. Take a picture of those from anywhere in the world. Send us that. Let's get one from Alaska today. We did. Yeah. Put it up on our socials, and we'll make sure. That $5 that we get for every t-shirt goes towards uh, Charlie's Dinosaur. As I just sharing with you, just got back from the Midwest, went to a family reunion, and it was great. It was... Oh, my God, Dan. Good to see you, Dan. <laughs> it's not Don. It's Daniel. It's Daniel when I'm back there. Come so, on over here. We got some hot dish. Yeah. We're going to uh, watch some uh, some football on the TV, drink some lining kugels, <laughs> go door to door over to Betty's house. That's exactly how it is. Up in uh, Wakanda, Kankakee, Kenosha, Racine, all those areas. And what's kind of unique there is you have a lot of big companies that own a lot of land, like Arm & Hammer, for instance, or Johnson & Johnson. And I want to, uh, and I'll bring this back to Seattle here in a moment, but I went out to watch my cousin's son uh, play some football underneath the Friday Night Lights. A great middle linebacker, by the way, so it was fun to watch him play. But I was also astonished and blown away at the field that these kids play on. And a lot of these fields are dedicated by Johnson and Johnson. They're dedicated by these big companies that have a lot of factories north of Chicago in those areas. And what they will do is they will donate some of the land that they own and some of the farmers out there donate some of their pastures and they build these incredible schools with these incredible sports fields. Uh, you don't see a football field that has to share a football field with a soccer field and a soccer field. Uh, if boys are playing soccer, girls are playing soccer on a different field because there's that much land there. And before my cousin started playing, his son started playing, I'm kind of used to watch it, walking the field with other parents. And what are we looking for? We're looking for orange caps. And we're also looking for heroin needles before our kids play because – and just about every field here in Seattle, when kids aren't out there playing, uh, there are usually young men, older men, living in tents and doing heroin. They've taken over a lot of the fields here. And it's one of the reasons why we have this huge campground uh, here in Seattle. So I was blown away by the beauty of these fields, the beauty of the pastures. I didn't see a tent. I didn't find a heroin needle. And in fact, before I left, I uh, told my cousin Rick, and all, and I, and I had a, uh, I stayed with him, and uh, he's one of my older cousins. And I said, "Hey, why don't you come see me in Seattle? We'd love to have you. You're a great host for us. We'd love to be a great host to you." And he just looked at me. He said, "To be honest, uh, he said I would never want to come to Seattle, and he's never been here." And I said, "Why is that?" He said, "The pictures of the homelessness there 
it breaks my heart. And the fact that you guys have tents that are all over the city. He said, I wouldn't want my grandkids to see that. And I said, you know what? I understand that. The other night, I pulled into Pagliash's Pizza over on Dravis. My son and I ran in. We got a piece of pizza. We came back out. And parked next to us, a guy had almost crashed into my car. I looked into the car. I grabbed my son. I said, don't look in that car. And there was a man and a woman in that car. I don't know if they were passed out and dead or dead. One had a needle in their arm. I ran in, talked to the manager. I said, you got to call the police, uh, and you need to come see what's happening in this car. I showed him. We jumped in our vehicle, and we drove away. I don't know what happened to these two people, but it is right down the street from a big park where kids used to play, and now men have come to die. And I put that up on my Facebook page. I took a picture of a guy in this park where my son used to play. And I said, now men have come to die. What has happened here in Seattle? And Ron, this is really interesting because a lot of times on the front lines when it comes to cleaning up a lot of these areas, Seattle has said, you know what? We're going to send out SPD. We're going to send out the Seattle Police Department. That's exactly what they did in a place called the Triangle. And now as a result of that, the city of Seattle is looking at a $10 million dollar lawsuit from a local police officer yeah and this is interesting and i'm going to take a second to wind this up because i think you need the details on this uh this officer and his name is officer timothy gifford uh he's being represented by lincoln beauregard so full disclosure don and i know lincoln we like lincoln we're pals with lincoln uh but that has nothing to do with this case just want to let you know that that that's background um he has made a claim against the city because he he basically is going into a, a type of liver failure and so he was part of the navigation team and there was a triangle of land that that he was tasked with some other people to go clean up. And so he was exposed to some chemicals that I want to explain because I think it's relevant. Uh, and now that induced in, in his mind and in his expert's mind, and his doctor's mind, the exposure induced his sickness, his illness, and it accelerated the illness. And they are seeking damages on that. So it goes back to a chemical made by Monsanto. Uh, you may have heard the name of this company. I'm not a huge fan. Uh, in the beekeeping world, they've made a lot of uh, Roundup pest, pesticides and all these things. Monsanto has uh, a reputation in America. But back in the day, so from the 1929 to 1979, they made a, a chemical that was widely used called PCBs. And you would find it in, in almost everything. Electrical equipment, hydraulic fluid, paint, lubricants. And if you had an industrial product, you put PCBs in it. And so that happened for decades in America. And so what they found now is that PCBs, now the EPA has said, hey, when you take this in, it has a lot of health consequences, uh, ranging from skin rashes to autoimmune disease and probably cancer. That's according to the EPA. So they, they rank this on how safe something is. And they say that PCBs, if you're going to be safe, uh, are something uh, to the order of uh, one part per million. And so the PCBs, let me make sure I have that right. The EPA considers PCB levels above one part per million for a safety concern. So one part per million, remember that number, because the PCBs they found in this stretch of land that was inhabited by, I shouldn't inhabit, it's the wrong word, where some homeless people lived here in Seattle, then he was tasked to clean up, had 40,300 parts per million. Mm. Just a little bit over the recommended exposure yeah. by the EPA. What was happening is that this group of homeless, and I think you know exactly where this particular piece of land was, they were scavenging, and I'm just going to go ahead and say it, stealing equipment 
bringing it back to this area and then stripping it down for anything they could do of value. So uh, they would drain these fluids onto the ground, the fluids that contain PCBs. They would strip wire, strip paint, uh, strip the housing on everything. They wanted to get at the copper uh, and uh, so that, that that has the most value when you take it to a salvage yard. You can get quite a bit of money for copper so that they can go out and buy drugs. And so all of the byproducts were just going on into this really small chunk of land over and over and over again. And then when they cleared that, they asked for, and, and not only that, but there's rats and human waste and drugs and you, you name it. Yeah. It is it is, it is a, a cesspool of this. This officer claims that got me sick. I'm now very sick, and it's because of this exposure. Yeah, if you if you live in the Seattle area, it's south, it's down in the industrial area, and it's down off of Dearborn Street, and it's an area that's close to the jungle. They call it the Triangle. And Ron and I went down there to the Union Gospel Mission, and we were amazed, and this is not hyperbole, we were amazed at the thousands of rats that we saw. The thousands of rats that we saw. Not the hundreds, the thousands. Especially at night, in the evening. And then also, the folks from the Union Gospel Mission, in fact, the head of the Union Gospel Mission at the time, he was able to point at a tent. So see that tent over there? That's where the heroin dealers come. They deal the heroin, and then boom, uh, they disappear. If you have a piece of equipment down there, because they also steal dump trucks. My dump truck just got stolen down in that area. So if anybody sees Bubba... Are your dump truck got stolen? Yeah, got stolen oh, a number dude, of nights. I'm sorry here. about that. And it was in an enclosure. It was gated off. Somebody cut in. They pulled the truck out, and I asked uh, the, the folks from SPD. I said, what do you think happened to this truck? They said, it's probably somewhere right now, and it's being stripped for salvage for the exact reason that you were just uh, talking about down in that area. And it was off of James Street, not far from this area. Here's a slippery slope. For the city of Seattle, because of course they have insurance. But if this particular officer, who's part of the navigation team, if he's able to pocket anything from this particular case, and you have to believe if Lincoln Beauregard, who went after the mayor of the city uh, city of Seattle, he is the one that went after Mayor Murray. He's a very very successful uh, attorney here in Seattle. He would not take this case on if he didn't think he could win this case and win this case big. If you have this particular police officer who's part of the navigation team. He said, I was given no training. I was given no safety gear. They put me into a place with toxins, known toxins, and said, clean this up. So if he is successful here, then the city of Seattle is in a lot of trouble here, and cities all around the country are in a lot of trouble here because they have used first responders that are supposed to be responding to other things, and they have placed them on the front lines when it comes to social work and social justice and without a lot of training. Hazardous training, yeah. like they're yeah. cleanup, they're hazmat, they're they uh, you know, counseling, they're yeah, job placement, no, like they're it, everything. And it's just not police officers, and it's just not SPD officers, but you have state patrol officers that are very involved. Then you have SDOT workers and WADOT workers that are down there, and they don't get a lot of training as far as this goes, and they're the ones that have to go in there why officers provide protection for them and they have to go in and clean up these areas and these are the areas where activists push back and they say hey you can't go in and sweep you shouldn't go in and sweep well guess what maybe you shouldn't go in and sweep because when you go in and sweep evidently there's police officers out there that could die as a result of that not to mention firefighters dot workers and the list goes 
on. It's the Ron and Don Show, only on the Ron and Don Radio Network. Everything at ronanddon.com. And don't forget, buy that Ron and Don Nation t-shirt. Take a picture from anywhere in the world. We'll put that up on our social media. $5 goes towards Charlie's Dinosaur. That's helping cops help kids right there. And also the new dog bandanas are out. So check those out at ronanddon.com. You're listening Ron and Don Show. to the Ron and Don Show. And yes, my dad's pretty annoying. All right, it's the Ron and Don Show, only on the Ron and Don Radio Network. We love to be a part of life's biggest transaction. If you're buying or selling, or you're just thinking about it, and you want to know what your net proceeds would be, or you want to know what your properties were, or you want to know what neighborhood you start, start looking in because you just moved here. Uh, should I sell in the fall or sell in the spring? You'd be surprised at Ron's opinion on that. Find out his opinion. Ron at Windermere.com. Don O'Neill at Windermere.com. Everything at RonandDon.com. It's easy. Click on the microphone. All our radio podcast stuff is there. And then click on the picture of us standing there trying to look like Starsky and Hutch. We kind of look like Gage and DeSoto. There's a Squad 51 reference. There you go. Thank you. Yeah, anyway, uh, yeah, click on that, and it'll tell you about uh, how we can help you with life. Uh, a lot of people don't know, because it's not at ronandon.com. The man I'm talking to right now, at one point, was Spin Instructor of the Year. Yeah. Was it uh, 19... Or 2009, something like that. It was a while back. But oh, you were still... 07, 08. 07, 08. But there was, only, of the year. There, was only, uh, there was only two instructors at our gym at the time, and the one instructor supposed to win gym uh, didn't make it to the holiday party. So I got his certificate, and they crossed out Jim's name, and they put my name on it. So 07, 08, Denali Fitness, I was spin instructor of the year. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you about this, because I find this very fascinating. I, I just did an interview with uh, the Windermere Economist on the pending recession. Yeah. And I guess 70% of all economists in America say... A recession is coming. Could be as early as uh, summer to fall of next year. Might go into 2021, but there's a recession coming. It's not going to be anything like uh, the one that happened in 2008, 2009. You can hear that episode in our feed if you want to. It's a uh, last episode. It's very interesting stuff. He's a very smart man. But so they're looking at the fitness industry. And so there's this phenomenon that's been happening uh, that's called unbundling. And so it's similar to what has happened with Netflix and the Hulu and uh, cable and all these a la carte uh, TV packages. They go forever. You had the big gym and they were all everything in there. You would take the tour. and We've all done this. You go in, you take the tour. Here's our pool. Here's the free weights. Here's the racquetball court. Here's where they do the Zumba class. Here's where Jazzercise is. Here's the Nautilus machines. Here's the locker rooms. Sign up. We're going to take your credit card and do an automatic debit for the next 25 years, you're never going to be able to cancel. Welcome to the gym. We hope that you never use it. And so some disruptors came in and like, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to do something smaller and uh, more touch. You know, we're going to be high. We're going to know your name. You're going to come to Soul Cycle. You're going to come to CrossFit. You're going to come to bar class. You're going to take this. You're going to come to spin. And it's going to be smaller, more intimate, but you're going to be accountable and you're going to get better results. But that has been more expensive. So they've noticed as the economy has been going well, uh, gym revenue has grown uh, in 2018 to $32.3 billion and fitness center visits are up 42% in the last decade. And so, but here's the thing, one soul cycle class 
uh, in city like Washington, D.C., it's $32 a class. Barry's Boot Camp, $34 a class. Some of these Pilates classes or bar classes can be $25, $30 a class here in Seattle. And so what they're looking at is when this recession hits and people start seeing the word recession all the time in the news, is the first thing to go going to be the $92 a month gym membership or the boutique class, uh, and they're going to sign up with something like Peloton, the the, the, the bicycle company. They have 511,000 members that are, are doing that Peloton class according to their IPO filings. So I'm just curious what you think will happen. Are people going to go, I'm not paying $34 to go to spin class Well, anymore. that's already happening. So for instance, and, and then we'll come back to Peloton, because when I started teaching spin uh, 20 years ago in Phoenix, Arizona, I rode on a Peloton bike. And they have a big 40-pound flywheel on the front. And they basically went broke because these bikes are horrible. The cranks would always break. And I would always break these cranks when I would be in class. I, I, I still have scars on my right leg from when the crank would break. And it would rick the side of my leg open because it, it, it would expose this metal that would just gouge you. And you were still riding. But you're out of the pedal. And uh, if you were standing up, you're in a lot of trouble, especially if you're a big guy. So I thought Peloton, I thought they went away. And then all of a sudden, a number of years ago, they appeared with this really cool bike that you could buy. It's a rather expensive bike, but they do it in payments. And they're also doing something similar now with a treadmill. Everybody that I know that has the Peloton bike loves the Peloton bike. The reason they love the Peloton bike, because what Peloton did is they went out into the fitness industry and they found the very best instructors. And they said, we're going to pay you the very best money. And we're going to put you in these amazing studios. And some of these classes will be live. And some of these classes will be taped. Uh, But I have friends that work at all different hours of the night. And sometimes they get out of bed in the morning. They're like, yeah, you know what? I don't want to drive to downtown Seattle and sign up for Flywheel and arrive late and then they make a big deal out of it because they take out a flashlight and they walk you your bike or maybe I can't find parking or maybe it's raining outside and then how am I going to shower and then get off to work and then get on the city bus or ride the jump bike or whatever it is. I can stay home and get on this bike. One of the reasons why people didn't get on the bike is because they didn't have a, a human touch. And what Peloton has provided is a human touch. You can get it's out like of a big iPad or something mounted. Yeah, on the handlebars. yeah, like you would you would see in a lot of cars now. Similar thing. So just the same thing that you see in a Tesla. But when you get up, if you want to, for instance, go riding with Robin. If she's riding at 6.30 tonight, you can ride live in her class, and then you can sign on with people all around the world, and you ride in this class together. And when you do it, you don't feel alone. And that's one of the reasons why people go to community fitness classes because they want to connect with people. seeing people drop out of the $30 per Flywheel class Flywheel has just closed, to your point, Ron. They just closed, closed 12 of their studios in California, which is incredible. I know here locally they're beginning to struggle. SoulCycle didn't see this coming. Flywheel didn't see this coming. SoulCycle just opened here in Seattle a new location, and they are high on giving hugs and blowing out candles and making you feel loved and cared about and giving you a look, a touch, and a word, and they are already struggling at U-Village because there is no place to park. In U Village, there's no, there was never any place and to. Lulu Lemon there put in like the high end yoga studio, and I never see anybody in yeah, there. Yeah, so 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 anyway, I think you make a great point. I think, and we are we we're going to go through cycles, and I think this particular cycle that's coming up, as far as this recession goes, they say it's not going to be tied to the housing industry, and as a result of that, housing should be okay, 
So the recession, we should be able to be okay and ride this out. But yes, there is a recession coming. I believe 100% there's a recession Absolutely. coming. And, uh, the first thing to go is going to be your $92 uh, gym class. I would imagine, and I just want to encourage people out there, if you, if you are kind of on a budget and you're like, man, I, I want to start working out. But maybe I don't want to go to a class because I don't want to park or get up that early or I just had a baby or whatever it is. These Peloton classes are really, really cool. And you just kind of pay a monthly fee and see they have the subscription service going there. So these 511,000 people that have signed on, one, they bought the bike. And two, they continue to subscribe so that they can be in those classes. So tell us what you think. We're on Facebook. It's the Ron and Don Show. You can also reach out to Ron Ron Upshaw, Don O'Neill. If you want to find us on our socials, it's the Ron and Don Show only on the Ron and Don Radio Network. Ron and Don are licensed real estate brokers with Windermere Midtown. Are you ready to buy or sell a home? Yeah, call my dad or his best friend, Ron. You should see them at an open house. They're hilarious. All right, final segment of the Ron and Don Show. Don't forget, it drops every Monday. Thanks for stopping by. Get signed up for the newsletter, too, right? Absolutely. It's ronanddon.com. Just click on that uh, radio uh, logo that Don talked about. Put your name and info in there, and you get kind of special behind-the-scenes stuff. Uh, it drops every week and you sort of get some stuff on the newsletter yeah anyway i I stopped drinking uh i think it's it's going on two years so i don't my brain doesn't remember what it's like to have a hangover but i saw a friend this morning we were working together and they had a hangover and i was like ooh, that's what a hangover uh is like right man i felt really bad for him he was really struggling today i was like ooh, so glad i don't so glad my brain doesn't remember what a hangover is like uh and I was reading about a guy named Cameron Fisher. He lives in Colorado. And he was getting ready to get married. And so he went out with a bunch of his friends. And it was the day before, the day before the wedding. So he went out with all his buddies. They had a little too much to drink. And he woke up the next day and he's like, oh, I got a hangover. What am I going to do here? Because I have to go to the rehearsal dinner. Okay. He goes to the rehearsal dinner, and he's throwing up at the rehearsal dinner. Can't hold anything back. That is not a good look. His bride looks at him and just says, what is going on here? And so he was honest with her. He just said, hey, I had way too much to drink last night. I was out with my friends. And she's like, well, you can't do this in front of my parents at the rehearsal dinner. Why don't you go to the emergency room? They're going to be here in a couple hours. So what he does is he has a buddy. That uh, they jump in the vehicle together and they drive to the emergency room. It took about forty-five minutes, and he pops in and he tells them that basically what had happened. And th- he said, "I think I just need an IV." And you see this in Las Vegas now. Oh they have yeah, these, they absolutely. Have, they have these buses. I, I've never seen a bus, but I've heard about these buses where you can jump aboard these buses and they can give you an IV, and then boom, your hangover's gone, and you're out and about, and your party fluids directly in uh, directly into your vein. Yeah. So, and, and and my understanding is, if you jump in one of these Las Vegas buses and do, it's about five hundred dollars. Yeah. So, not cheap. And and yeah, not not too cheap. So he was thinking that's pro- this, this might be expensive. This might be, you know, two hundred, three hundred, five hundred dollars, but it's going to be worth it because I can get through the rehearsal dinner and then I'll get through my wedding the next day. So here we go. So nonetheless, he runs in. Forty-five minutes later, he comes out. That's exactly what they Feels did. Great. Yeah, they gave him some uh, saline solution. They say it's the same kind of saline solution that you can buy at the store for about ten, twenty dollars, something like that. He goes back, finishes the rehearsal dinner. They have the wedding the next day. 
has a great time, great marriage, it's a great life, and then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, about a month later when he gets back from the honeymoon, he gets home and he opens up an envelope and guess what's inside? I would think it would be a bill. It is a bill from Kaiser and it's the emergency room where he had stopped by and you're not going to believe us. That little 45-minute Visit costs twelve thousand one hundred and forty three dollars. How's that even possible? What's a bigger hangover? The hangover you got from going out and partying with your friends, or the hangover you got That's impossible. when you got a bill for over twelve thousand dollars? So he started to look into this. He talked with the insurance company. He went back and he talked to the hospital. And this is what this is what he found out. He found out that there just aren't a lot of regulations. When it comes to what emergency rooms can charge for a late night visit, if you decide that you're sick and that you need some, and here's the deal: if you're if, if you're going to operate as an emergency room, the United States of America, you can't turn anyone away. You're not allowed to turn anyone away. And so, what a lot of healthcare providers have done is they have targeted particular neighborhoods with particular zip codes, and this is what they did in Colorado, and they're doing it in California, they're doing it in other states too, where they know that if people come in, that they're going to be able to not only afford this particular treatment, but they're going to be able to write a check if their insurance doesn't cover it. There is absolutely no regulation in America right now on emergency rooms and what they can charge for these particular visits. So you can't appeal it? This guy can't appeal it? This way? is what he was told, and I found out when I went on an ambulance ride, and I shared this with you before, that was a couple thousand dollars. I finally had AMR down in California, because I jumped in an ambulance. I was hooked up to nothing. I needed a ride from one hospital to another. I sat next to the paramedic on the bench seat in the back. They did absolutely nothing to me. And that particular ambulance ride cost over $1,500. And so I went on an investigation of the situation, and this is what they will tell you. When other people come into the emergency room and they ask for an ambulance ride, we can't turn them away. They can't pay for it. Somebody has to pay for it. And so we pass that on to you. I was amazed that Kaiser... 12000 bucks for a bag of saline? That they actually admitted that. And so look out, because in a lot of neighborhoods now, There are emergency rooms that close early in particular zips where they feel like that people come in, they're not going to be able to pay. So guess what? We're going to close the doors. I think the moral of the story is don't get married. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's the moral of the story. What's a hangover like? Have you had one recently? Uh, Actually, I have had one. Yeah. At a couple of uh, old fashions. How was it? Great uh, the night. The next morning, not so great. Yeah. It's a, I think as you get worth old, it though, it's worth it. It used to be when you were younger, you could jump out of bed, go for a jog, and you could sweat it out. As no. you get older, you can't sweat it's it out. And not, not the same. It just kind of hangs with you, right? Yeah. I remember one time you and I, I did a little drinking in Oakland. We were in our twenties. A little drinking. We drank a lot of tequila that night. Yeah, and uh, it got into the second day, and you looked at me and you said, "Can you have a? Can you have a? Because can you have a hangover going into a second day? We drank that much. I think you could. Yeah. Anyway. Hey, uh, don't forget to reach out to us, Ron at Windermere.com, Don O'Neill at Windermere.com, everything at RonandDon.com. And get a Ron and Don Nation t-shirt, $5 goes towards Charlie's Dinosaur 
That's helping cops help kids. And also the dog bandanas are out, too. They're out right now. You can buy them. They'll ship them out immediately from our uh, shipping guy, Russ. Yeah. Uh, how can people listen to us, or how can you share the experience of the Ron and Don Show with others? Yeah, any if you're on Apple iTunes, that's where most people are listening. Uh, share the episode. Rate it. Give us uh, whatever star level you think. Write a comment. That helps the algorithm send it out. You can also hit the little up arrow with the box around it and share it with your friends. Put it on Facebook. We really appreciate it when uh, people get the word out. We still get folks every single week that didn't realize we're doing the show, so uh, it helps us out tremendously uh, if you share it. Over 100,000 people now have listened to the Ron and Don Show and the Ron and Don Podcast only at ronanddon.com, and we appreciate that. So, to next Monday, keep your head up and your shoulders back. He's Ron, and I'm Don, and we will see you on the other side of this. Ron and Don. 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 Ron. Ron. <laughs> Ron. <laughs> On the Ron and Don Radio Network, man. Okay, how much do I have to pay you for this? <laughs> One dollar. <laughs> <laughs>